Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Welcome to the 28th episode of Coffee Buzz, a podcast conversation with a member of Community of Christ First Presidency. If this is your first time listening to a Coffee Buzz episode, let me introduce myself. My name is Linda Booth. In 1998, I was ordained an apostle in Community of Christ, one of the first two women to serve in the Council of Twelve Apostles. And in 2019, I retired after serving all those years as an apostle and director of communications. One of the many blessings and joys of serving God and God's people during that time was serving with my guest today, Community of Christ Prophet President Steve Vizi. Welcome, my friend. How are you and how's your family? Well, thank you for your welcome. And uh, I want to say hello to all the listeners. Um, and thank you for asking about how uh, I'm doing and my family's doing. And I always <laughs> say, well, we're doing uh, about as well as everybody else in the midst of uh, these times, and especially amid the pandemic. Um, we're We're trying to maintain as uh, as normal of a life as possible, uh, even though uh, we have these precautions and, and disruptions that affect uh, the whole family in different ways. Um, and so I can understand uh, everyone's uh, frustration and impatience and concern uh, in that regard. So um, we're persisting. Yes, <laughs> that's a good word. We're all persisting. And so we're in a brand new year and it is tis the season to make New Year's resolutions. Have you set any personal resolutions for 2022? Um, I guess in a way I have. I, I, I tend not to specifically set New Year's resolutions. Um, but the new year is a time that I think we pause and reflect on how things have been and how we would like them to be and uh, patterns or habits in our lives that, that we would like to improve or change. Um, so as I, as I transitioned from 2021 to 2022, 22, especially having a, a little break during the holidays that I could kind of uh, reset. Um, I've, I've become even more intentional about spiritual practices that help me manage stress and related anxiety, uh, especially in relation to the challenges of, of ministry and and leadership of a very diverse um, church body around the world that's facing all kinds of challenges. Our, our personalities, as, as you know, are to, to want to help. <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes that's not possible or to the degree we would like to. So I'm working um, even more because I was working on it before, even more on establishing and trying to stay in that quiet center of Christ's presence and peace, or at least to do it more consistently, because I do find myself wandering out of it. Yes. <laughs> but to do it more consistently, uh, you know, in the midst of everything that's that's going on around me, um, in the church and in the world and, and so forth. So that's, I would say that was my resolution and, uh, I've, I've been doing it. <laughs> good, good. You're right. It, it, you need, it has to be intentional. It has yeah. to be the center of who we are and, and how we lead our lives. So thank it, you for that reminder. It, it has to become the, the new habit yes. <laughs> of your life, the new yes. pattern of your life. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, I, I know you and your counselors in the first presidency, who are Scott Murphy and Stacey Cram, uh, have been focusing on discerning a vision for the church's global mission, or discerning where God is leading community of Christ. And as part of that envisioning process, I'd like to talk with you about the recently completed three-year strategic plan for the work of the presidency for this new year through 2024. And as I thought about putting together a three-year strategic plan, I thought that task must have been massive undertaking because, as you mentioned earlier, Community of Christ has this wonderful, complex diversity. Uh, for Coffee Buzz listeners, just a reminder, Community of Christ is established in over 50 nations of the world, and our congregations and mission centers are made up of people from many different cultures, backgrounds, and experiences uh, with many different languages and complicated organizational structures and national laws. So with such diversity, Steve, how did the First Presidency approach the formation of a strategic plan to guide your area of leadership emphasis into the future? Well, we we approached it with uh, already engaged in a, a constant process of discernment. Uh, so daily, weekly, monthly, <laughs> we're trying to discern how we should apply ourselves um, in terms of our leadership responsibilities in the church. And also a lot of discussion from our various vantage points, uh, even in the presidency, there, there's a diversity of perspective that I think is a strength. Um, and part of it was uh, recognizing uh, up front that just how complex and diverse the worldwide church is and that our role was to try to identify for ourselves how can we uh, have the most faithful and effective impact within our broader leadership responsibilities uh, for the whole church across all that diversity and complexity. And, and we also wanted to uphold and recognize that, that much of the work of discerning actual church direction needs to happen in those diverse contexts, in the social, cultural, and political context in which the church pursues its mission. And, and that's the work of local leaders and, and groups of disciples who are living and serving in those contexts, whether it's the apostolic field, uh, the mission center, the congregation, uh, a, a group, or some kind of network of members and, and friends who meet sometimes, but maybe are online a lot, all of that. Uh, has to be uh, discerned as direction uh, in the lives of those leaders and, and disciples. I have been known on various occasions when asked about what is the church's strategic plan to pause and say to whatever group it is, you are the church's strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and people kind of sit back. Uh, but the point is twofold. One is theological and one is practical. The theological point is the church's purpose is to embody the gospel in individual lives and communities of disciples, uh, me members and friends, who are living out the life and mission of Jesus Christ. So the church's strategy is its people yeah. and its relationships and the, the degree to which we embody that. And that gets to the practical side. We, we can have all kinds of strategic plans and, and programs, uh, but unless it connects with the church's call, and people's willingness and desire to enflesh it in their own lives and in their congregations, in, in their groups and networks, 
strategic plans may have little effect. So, yes. <laughs> uh, but but as a presidency, we affirm the church's mission statement. Uh, our enduring principles, our our mission initiatives, all of which have been articulated for some time, and and our basic beliefs, and and said. Well, one of our roles is to be the stewards and advocates for the importance of those expressions of our faith and our mission and the importance of people contextualizing or enfleshing that in their in their local settings. Um, so that was an important part of the process. And then we moved towards naming some desired emphases for our leadership after that. Well, I really appreciate your description of the role of the First Presidency as stewards and advocates for the church's mission, as well as your understanding that the role, really the practical way it's played out is through the apostolic fields, uh, mission centers, congregations, specialized groups who live and embody the enduring principles and mission initiatives in the way in ways that are relevant and impactful in a variety of social, cultural, uh, national, and local contexts. So I, I really appreciate you uh, describing those different roles and, and, and the importance of how those roles uh, interface and work together. Um, please outline the plan's uh, three strategic uh, outcomes or emphases for the next three years, and then we'll discuss each one individually. Yeah. So uh, after that process of uh, identifying uh, the role of world church leadership as vested in the presidency, we, we then spent time saying what will have the most positive impact to these processes of planning and discernment and enfleshing the gospel in all of these contexts around the world. And so we identified the following three desired outcomes, areas of emphasis, um, as, as being very important. The first one uh, is to develop and empower church leaders uh, around the world, uh, indigenous leaders, uh, younger leaders, and of course, leaders emerge from formed disciples, disciple members of the church. Uh, and so we said, well, number one, we have to focus and even accelerate the development and empowerment of church leaders and disciples around the world. The second one was to support in every way we can local initiatives to create Christ-centered, spirit-led communities, and you could say communities of disciples and leaders and, and friends, that are working for justice and peace. Uh, that, that's the most fundamental expression of community of Christ in the local context uh, around the world. It's in community with each other that we carry out the mission. And then thirdly, um, and all of these are related, but thirdly, to accelerate the purposes of the temple as an ensign of peace around the world in fulfillment of its, its stated purposes. I'm excited about those three uh, strategic outcomes or emphasis. Uh, listening to you list those three outcomes also has raised my level of hope for the church's future. I believe the, the three strategic outcomes can greatly impact the church's mission around the world. So tell us about the First Presidency vision for strategic outcome number one, develop and empower church leaders and disciples. Well, I, I think it's, uh, 
fairly basic and easy to understand that l- disciple and leader formation uh, is essential to church life and mission. That is where we have committed disciple members and we have committed visionary leaders, the church tends to become more healthy and vibrant and and thrive. But in addition to this, we noted um, and are communicating that we want to have a particular emphasis that's focused on leader and disciple formation of younger generation, or what we in shorthand often refer to as next generations of disciples and leaders at all level of church organization, whether it's congregational, mission center, or at the world church uh, level of organization, we we are focusing in on, on that important need to the future of the church. Now, specifically, uh, the church is going to partner with Community of Christ Seminary at Graceland University to develop high-quality education and training uh, for uh, priesthood members, ordained ministers in the church, and emerging leaders who, who, of course, in our tradition are not employees, but are mostly self-sustaining and are volunteers. Um, And so the vision is to provide the kind of education and training, but in a more, in a holistic way, formation, leadership and disciple formation for these folks who are already responding to their sense of, of call. Um, so this this emphasis will include offering uh, courses and experiences, uh, including preordination courses that people can access on a regularly scheduled basis. So as a church, we have certain expectations for preordination preparation, and uh, this emphasis will. I think more effectively deliver those courses. Um, And of course, um, in this day and age, everything is being designed in that regard with online applications and course access in mind. And then over a three-year partnership with the seminary at Graceland University, we hope to serve at least 500 current and emerging um, ministers and and leaders through this emphasis. Now, it'll continue beyond that, but for the purposes of planning, we've identified how to get started and we've identified funding sources uh, for the emphasis. Oh, that's that's exciting, that's wonderful. And so these will uh, about how soon do you think we'll be starting to see those move out onto the Internet so that people can access them? Do you have an idea? It's it's hard to say at this point. Um, The planning is happening. The conversations have occurred and the seminary has posted a new position that will be a director and coordinator of this emphasis working with the director of of the whole seminary. And the seminary will continue to offer uh, a Master of Arts in Religion. So that's a degreed program. The seminary will offer a new master's program uh, related to peace and social justice. So the seminary has announced that and arranged for that. Our spiritual formation and companioning program, it's not a degree program, but it is the certificate program, will become part of this emphasis, along with what church members would typically understand as key temple school courses (laughs) that are delivered throughout the church that are focused on different aspects of 
of ministry and 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 leadership. Um, so I think this first year will be a year of ramping up and putting in place and and getting started, and then we'll see it build from from there. Uh, and then there's a plan for how it will be sustained into the future. So we're excited about it. I'm excited about it too. And I'm sure our listeners will be looking forward to seeing those uh, begin to be uh, released into the life of the church. It is really exciting to think about developing and inspiring uh, those 500 future leaders, uh, younger leaders, et cetera, to lead the church's mission in fresh ways for new generations. Uh, it's also a very challenging outcome to achieve. Um, this strategic outcome reminds me of something I read in Alan Roxburgh's book, um, Joining God, uh, Remaking the Church, Changing the World. Uh, he reports that in the Western world, if a person was born after 1984, there is less than a 10% chance that they will be involved in church today. So by his calculations or his research, people 38 years and younger are probably not involved in community of Christ or other denominations today. That is, if they live in Western nations. And of course, because before the pandemic, when we were meeting in congregational buildings, chances are that most of us didn't see many younger adults on Sunday. Any preliminary thoughts on how to identify engage and then develop and inspire these future leaders, especially for pastors and others in mission centers uh, to help them identify and engage and develop? Yeah, it's uh, it's a multi-dimensional um, or multi-pronged approach that, that I think um, is needed. Uh, there's all, always the personal relationships that world church leaders and uh, field leaders and congregational leaders have uh, with um, young adults. So a lot of it's relationship building and and listening, but being aware of these opportunities, then making young adults uh, um, um, aware that, of the availability of this kind of um, disciple and leader formation experience. So it's, it's relational. Um, I, I think we'll see some very targeted communications done in some creative ways <laughs> <laughs> using uh, side and sound and uh, social media. Um, there'll be a strategy um, to reach prospective students. Um, and then uh, we'll urge participants who have had a good experience to use their networks of relationships and and influence to say to others, you really ought to yeah, do this. This is a good experience. So it'll be motivational, uh, relational, invitational. And then I think um, the whole program will prove itself over time. Um, and of course, the, the online access to the coursework will make it more accessible to people. Uh, and I, I think that will have a positive effect as people identify when and, and how they can connect with these kinds of, of experiences. A positive indicator we have is uh, using some of these approaches and creative communications, video-based communications, overall enrollment in the seminary, uh, in the degree programs, the, the master's program, um, has increased to a, to a very good level from our perspective. And that level is being sustained with new people coming in as others graduate. Fantastic. So there, there's an interest in it. In the yes, church. of course yeah. there is. And you're right, uh, the using uh, motivational, relational, and 
invitational uh, videos and social media is an excellent way to connect with and in, engage others. So that's that's wonderful. Uh, many of us have read about or talked with younger adults who consider themselves uh, and I quote, spiritual, but not religious. In fact, I've had those conversations even with my own grown children. And during the pandemic, I've developed meaningful spiritual spaces uh, without having the opportunity to enter a church sanctuary, which I guess could be considered <laughs> spiritual, <laughs> but not religious. Uh, Diane Butler Bass, as many of our listeners know, is the one that I don't know if she coined the term spiritual but not religious, but she certainly has written about it in some of her books. And she says that many people are, and I'm quoting, traveling new paths of meaning, exploring new ways to live their lives, experiencing a new sense of authenticity and wonder, and practicing new forms of community that address global concerns without stepping into a sanctuary or worshiping within the walls of a church, end quote. And many people, including those younger adults or next generation of leaders, have entered a spiritual space beyond institutions or buildings, but are committed to justice and peacemaking. I, I know the First Presidency's talked about how younger adults or those next generations of leaders seek relevance, um, often found in their pursuit of justice and peacemaking. Any comments about how this strategic outcome addresses this desire for relevance and purpose? Yeah, and I'd just like to say uh, the presidency and, and other world church leaders have been engaged in um, listening and discussion sessions uh, with young adults, both in person and uh, dispersed online. And it bears out what you're saying in terms of, of where younger generations are gaining their spiritual meaning, their transformative experience, and where they see themselves expressing their, their giftedness and, quite frankly, contributing their resources, and, you know, including financial resources where, where they want to focus that. Um, so our conversations say, yeah, that, that's important. Um, and that's why we see language related to justice and peacemaking mm -hmm. um, and a commitment that that be real and not just words or, or nice uh, sentiments. What I'm most hopeful about is that an emphasis on justice and peacemaking related to the concept of Zion is already embedded mm -hmm. in our movement. We we just need to build on that. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's it's not it's not a sudden turn, but as you look at our language yes. over time, if you identify within the purposes of the temple, that emerging emphasis, and, and it, that it's not just a secular focus on justice or, or peacemaking, but it's actually a, a Christ-centered uh, sense of mission coming right out of the life and ministry of Christ, and then the church's um, heritage, as well as forward movement in relation to a growing concept of Zion, the church's seal, which has had the word peace on it for a long time, reflecting that vision, then it's it's there. It, it's within us. Uh, now, uh, younger generations are telling us, oh, we really need to give voice and, and put legs yes. and, and give hands to that emphasis and I think they're right <laughs> yes I do I do too it is foundational to who we are it is in our DNA it's just a matter of now in fleshing and living mm -hmm. that out you're exactly right that strategic outcome uh, outcome number one develop and empower church leaders and disciples 
uh, who are often passionate about justice and peace issue leads us to your strategic outcome number two, support local initiatives to create Christ-centered, spirit-led communities that work for justice and peace. Tell us about that second strategic outcome or emphasis. Well, um, I think that really uh, is connected to what we just talked about. So in response to individual and group discernment regarding where is God active? Where's the Holy Spirit working in the world? Um, people and, and groups are already developing expressions of the church that show the connection between Christ-centered spirituality, compassionate ministries, and justice and peacemaking. Uh, aligned with the coming reign of God on earth. So the good news is there, there are people uh, who, are, who are doing it. And so we perceive the role of leadership is to get next to them <laughs> and support them, <laughs> learn from them, <laughs> encourage um, and then in any ways we can to, to magnify their efforts uh, to make sure that what they're doing can truly come to fruition and be sustained through all of the uh, challenges uh, and stresses that are involved and disappointments sometimes involved in justice and peacemaking efforts. And so... There's also, as you've alluded to, this connection between the first emphasis of developing disciples and leaders and this emphasis that says, okay, we develop inspired, motivated, equipped disciples and leaders, and that will provide uh, a larger base of people who will then uh, engage in the formation of Christ-centered, spirit-led communities that work for justice and peace. So the approach is expand the equipped, uh, inspired leadership base, and that's how the mission of the church grows um, and expands. Uh, so that's the connection between the two. Yeah, you, you are. We are. We already have a base of people or a movement of people. And yeah. that's exciting to think about that movement getting larger and larger and having a greater impact in the world. You've also mentioned that there, there's, there's already examples of innovative ministries and different kinds of groups that are forming meaningful relationships in Christ and working for justice and peace in their communities. Can you give us some examples of, of what that might look like or what they're doing? Sure. Um maybe some some general descriptions and then some specific tangible examples uh, so there are groups that are are building on their relationships that are developed at reunions and retreats and and camps which is one of the ways a primary way community of christ does community building uh, but then they're using uh, online technology to stay connected to each other, especially young adults who find those re family camps, reunions, retreats uh, to be their most meaningful church experiences of the, of the whole year. Well, now they're forming networks of relationships, a lot of them using online technology. Um, to stay connected and to further develop their relationships and to participate in, in worship, spiritual formation, and talking about their calling uh, as disciples wherever they, they live or work. And, and then some of them are adding a few more retreats to that experience. So there's face-to-face -face as well as the online uh, experience. And we're seeing that happen uh, in several places. Um, and I think that's a very positive uh, development. 
there are groups that have emerged um, to spend time together uh, talking about books, current issues, articles, what's in the news, and then deciding how they as disciples and members of community of Christ committed to this mission of proclaiming Christ and developing communities of joy, hope, love, and peace, what they're going to do. So in each example that I'm using, there is a connecting, a forming, and then discernment of how do we live that out, either individually where people live and work or collectively in, in small groups that hear uh, the call. Um, some specific examples uh, here in the Kansas City area, a group of disciple members have joined, uh, have formed and joined together in a, a Kansas City area justice and peace action team. Um, they come from different parts of the metro area. They have church participation, perhaps in different congregations, but now they have formed this network of common interest and calling that includes specific, what they would probably call peace works or peace actions mm-hmm. related to international, national, or local concerns. So so that's an example of church members forming a fresh expression that's co- community-based, but it's action-oriented. Yes. But it also pays appropriate attention to spiritual formation so that they can continue to grow. Uh, another example Um, This one has been going on longer, but it is expanding its vision now. And and that's uh, a group called CORD, Community One Resources Development. And it's in the Philippines. Yes. Um, And uh, church members lead the efforts and they are engaged in holistic community development, not so much inside the church, but in the areas around. Uh, And so they are involved in community development that's focused on alleviating poverty and then economic development in villages and communities. And they've recently added, and this, this is what I think is especially important what they call the healing of creation. Oh. So they're, they're working on reforestation of some lands that have been clear cut or, or are eroding because there's no ground cover. They're planting trees. They're, they're looking at recycling practices. Um, one of the ones that, <laughs> that I uh, really enjoyed hearing about was a, project where they collect the manure (laughs) from the farms and they bring it into a sheltered building. They introduce earthworms who process all of that manure and turn it in to fresh fertilizer, which they then bag. They sell it to the farmers who are very grateful for the low price point at which that fertilizer can be bought, um, and it has increased agricultural productivity. So I, I, I call that community of Christ manure at work. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> even, even if it's manure, you can make something of it. <laughs> yeah, you sure can. Christ There's a can, lot of meanings you can apply yeah, to Yeah, Christ can use everything, right? right. <laughs> well, I received an email from uh, John Hamer up in Toronto, and uh, he was 
telling me that uh, they use uh, peace and justice issues, spiritual formation, podcasts on a variety of different topics. Uh-huh. And um, and he said, with the exception of the Catholic Church, Toronto Congregation's YouTube channel now has more subscribers than any church in Canada, more than the United Church, the Anglicans, Presbyterians, more than any tax-savvy at evangelical megachurches, and they have 3.3 million viewers, and it's climbing rapidly. And he and he said that the best part about it is these people are be able to get into community. That's a yeah. quote that he says uh, with us without crossing the difficult barrier of 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 uh, being in church, which right. is scary for some people. Yeah. And that that they've been watching these people gather in community, and that. I mean, that's truly amazing what technology can do when people are intentional in providing what people need, what are relevant and what people need in order to encourage their lives into justice and peacemaking. Yeah, and then then people network with each other. It exponentially grows. It's relational. It's networking. Um, Once you have a focus that is meaningful uh, and important to people. Yeah, great. Yeah, and he even says in this email, he said that there's so many people because they've been watching the lectures developing in community that one of the outcomes of that is that they're, they're getting lots of requests to be confirmed members <laughs> of the community of Christ, which is pretty exciting too. <laughs> yes. Yep, that's the potential. It is. And now, I mean, each one of these strategic outcomes has really uh, gotten me excited and made my mind working about what the possibilities are. Now let's talk about strategic outcome number three, accelerate the purpose of the temple as an enzyme of peace. And of course, that reminds me of uh, section 156, paragraph five in Community of Christ's Doctrine and Covenant, which, which describes the purpose of the temple. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I would encourage those who have a community of Christ doctrine and covenants to look up section 156, paragraph five, which says the temple shall be dedicated to the pursuit of peace. It shall be for reconciliation and for healing of the spirit. It shall also be for the strengthening of faith and preparation for witness by its ministries and attitude of wholeness of body, mind, and spirit as a desirable end toward which to strive will be fostered. It shall be the means for providing leadership education for priesthood and members, and it shall be a place in which the essential meaning of the restoration as healing and redeeming agent is given new life and understanding inspired by the life and witness of the Redeemer of the world. And in that paragraph as well, it mentions as being enzyme to the world of the depth and breadth of the devotion of the saints. So you talked about how through our history, um, God has been pointing community of Christ toward justice and peacemaking. And of course, the temple, obviously, at its very beginning was dedicated to peace, reconciliation, healing of the spirit, and so many other things that we've been talking about. I know this scripture was very formative to your leadership and ministry and used in the 2005 World Conference when you were ordained and set apart as private president of the church. Uh, Christ's peace was the emphasis to you then and was lifted up to the church and it has always been a guiding principle in your leadership and an emphasis in your ministry. Please tell us about uh, this strategic outcome and its potential impact on discipleship, uh, congregations, and mission centers. Well, um, in our experience as Community of Christ, we recognize that the temple, by its very design, is a powerful symbol that unifies the church as well as sends the church into mission around the world. And it reflects our understanding of God as well as our 
understanding of the revelation of God and the life and, and ministry and mission of Jesus Christ. And it will continue to serve that purpose. And over the years, we've had various activities and programs and events related uh, to that. Another function of the temple is to be a stir where innovation and creativity is um, encouraged and tried and ministries can be tested and and refined. Um, And so we see that element of the temple being emphasized in relation to its dedicated purpose to peace, reconciliation, healing of the spirit. Um, But here's the key going forward to me that the evolution of broadcast and online technology now provides opportunities for us to connect with congregations anywhere, uh, groups, persons, other organizations for networking purposes um, that weren't there when the temple were first dedicated. But the vision of the temple was in anticipation of such a time where those connections could be made uh, and sustained so that the ministries of the temple uh, could bless the whole church. And so I think we're now in a time because of the technology available to us that the temple can can really come to life. Uh, and have a much broader impact on the church's understanding of its purpose and how to carry out that purpose um, around the world. And that just creates many new opportunities for us. Boy, it sure does. Yeah, the temple in the First Presidency Priority Paper, it says the temple is a laboratory for spiritual formation, education and justice and peacemaking ministries where research and experimentation can occur on what works best, which you just said, and it's a source of lessons learned to share with others around the world. Uh, and, And so the three major languages of the church, are you going to be able to provide that in the three primary languages of the church? Yeah, we just had a discussion in the World Church Leadership Council over the last several days that affirmed the importance of our translations capability. Yes. Um, and recognizing that everything has to be planned with that in mind from the beginning. Yes. Rather than um, developing something in English and then saying, okay, how are we going to translate this? You we yeah. have to start with that assumption. And then go from there in terms of uh, development of the activity or, or ministry. So we're striving to get to that level of being able to connect and communicate. Yes, that's wonderful. And you've, you've mentioned some of the challenges that are facing you as you uh, look to the future with these strategic outcomes. Um, even as the challenges that you and leaders face How's your level of hope for the church's future? <laughs> well, I um, my hope is is always there. Um, it's the nature of my faith, uh, my sense of connection to to God, um, my daily attempts to understand and see how God is active in the world. Um, I guess the best way to describe where I am, I'm realistic. I'm realistic Mm -hmm. about the challenges to the church during this time in history with so much upheaval and, and questioning and shifts in the culture that are impacting us and certainly other church. So I'm realistic about the challenges, but I'm hopeful about the possibilities uh, that are coming uh, as a result of God's activity in in the world. And I think community of Christ figures in to what God is doing and and will be doing uh, in relation to the coming kingdom or reign of God. Absolutely. 
Thank you so much, Steve, for taking the time. I know you have a World Church Leadership Council meeting this afternoon that you're getting ready to prepare for in about an hour. I'm especially thankful for your willingness to be connected to uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, to use daily practices and intentional listening to where God is leading the church. And I'm very thankful from the very beginning of your ministry that you have pointed the church towards peace and justice as a way in which we can live out and bring to pass the kingdom here on earth, God's reign. And I thank you, Coffee Buzz listeners, for joining our conversation. I hope you have felt the challenge and have been inspired that you are the church's strategy and you are the ones to enflesh uh, Christ's mission and love and compassion throughout the world. Uh, Coffee Buzz listeners, please watch for next month's episode of Coffee Buzz. I'll be having a conversation with Stacy Cram, counselor to Prophet President Steve Vesey. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 